0: Good morning. morning. So nice, this pulpit is just the right height for me. I want to say that it's been a good first week here. It's been good beginning to get to know some of you and begin our work together. And it's been especially good worshiping with you already this morning. The songs that have been sung and the words that have been spoken have touched my spirit. And I hope it is touching yours as well. You'll note uh, the information in the bulletin from me this week. I wanted to let you know how you could easily get a hold of me. Um, it's important to me to be able to be available to you. So please note the phone numbers that, where you can reach me and also to say that the, the um, email that has been used in the past for pastor at East Chestnut Street, org or whatever that was, doesn't seem to be working for me. We can't quite get that going, so please use the Gmail address that's printed in the bullet, and you can get a hold of me that way. That is fine. Also, you'll note that that note comes from Pastor Don. Um, I just want you to know that you don't need to call me Pastor Don. I am really good being called Don, so just wanted you to know that. I've chosen this morning to focus on the Exodus text that we heard read here this morning because it's about a journey into the wilderness, and in some senses that's where we find ourselves this morning beginning a journey into the unknown and that unknown place can feel like wilderness for starters it's been eight weeks if I'm counting correctly it's been eight weeks since Ron and Mary Lou left and I know that many of you are feeling their absence and that is very understandable they have been very important people in your lives and in the midst of that sadness there's probably also uncertainty a lot of uncertainty probably about what lies ahead who will be our next pastor what kind of process is in place to find this person and what will happen to our congregation in the meantime It's unfamiliar territory, and it's unsettling. And while this congregation finds itself in that space, I'm aware that a number of you personally are entering times of transition as well. Mennonite Central Committee, an organization that is near and dear to many of our hearts, is in the midst of making some very significant changes right now, and I know that that's affecting a number of people in this congregation. And for those of you being impacted, I imagine that it is uh, somewhat painful and uncertain time. I've been thinking about you all. Others of you may be facing your own wilderness experiences. As you enter a new season of life, maybe all the kids have left home or as you struggle with a difficult relationship or as you face a health crisis or as you find yourself grieving the loss of a loved one. The wilderness can be an unsettling place and at times in my own life when I have found myself there I know that I have felt disoriented, somewhat anxious and longing for the security of the way things were. And that's the kind of place that the people in the story that we hear this morning, the people of Israel, find themselves in, in the story in Exodus. In one sense, their situation is a bit different from ours. It's a little bit different from what many of us are experiencing in that they have chosen to leave their familiar, while many of us here have not. For some of us, the unfamiliar at this point feels thrust upon us, uh, perhaps against our will. In any case, the people of Israel have chosen to leave their familiar. They are wanting to leave a slavery in Egypt. They are wanting to be free from the ruthless oppressors that are on top of their backs. And when they cry out to God for relief, God hears their cries. God hears their cries and God acts. God sets his people free. Even so, this transition from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the promised land would not be an easy one. I mean, Egypt had been the home of the people of Israel for over 400 years. They may have been miserable there, but their misery was familiar. It was something that they knew, and what lay ahead of them was unknown, and the way forward was anything but clear. In fact, as they leave Egypt, they find themselves on some not on some main highway headed toward some clear destination, but they find themselves on some roundabout way in the middle of the wilderness. Makes you wonder who's in charge anyhow. Well, the scripture passage from Exodus is clear about that. In this passage, God is choosing the route. God is leading the way. But what an odd route God has chosen. Instead of leading the people on a very direct route from Egypt to Canaan, God leads the people on a very unusual and securitous route into the wilderness. What could God have been thinking? Well, the answer to that question is also very clearly stated in the text. God was thinking, if the people face war, which they likely would have done had they taken that very direct and well-traveled road to Canaan, if they face war, they may well change their minds and return to Egypt, return to slavery. So, although God's choice of route seems very counterintuitive there is reason for it god is ultimately concerned about the well-being of god's people and god does not want them to fall back into slavery and maybe there's another reason now it isn't stated in the text but who knows maybe god understood that the process of getting there would be as important as the destination itself. The fact of the matter is, the people of Israel had a lot to learn. And it turns out that the wilderness was a pretty good place to learn it. It's a place where they had no choice but to face their fears. I can only imagine the panic when they found themselves backed up against the Red Sea with the Egyptian army coming at them full force. And even though God saved them from this desperate situation, high anxiety kicked in again when they ran out of food and when there was no water to be found out in the middle of this wilderness. And unfortunately, this very understandable anxiety sometimes turned ugly. It spewed forth as a bitter complaint directed at their leaders. Why did we follow you out here? We should never have come. It would have better to stay back there and serve the Egyptians than to die out here in the wilderness. those of us who have ever found ourselves in wilderness places on what feels like a roundabout path, we get where these people are coming from. We can understand their angst, and we can probably understand why they responded the way they did. After all, anxiety is a normal response when something we care deeply about seems like it's at stake our survival maybe the well-being of a loved one our sense of identity and purpose perhaps the health of this congregation now there's a lot one could say about anxiety like it's not so much it's not so much about whether or not you feel anxious it's more important about what you do with it or breathing deeply really does help But this morning I'd rather turn our focus to God and to God's response to us in our anxiety. In this morning's story from Exodus, we see God responding to the people of Israel during this very vulnerable and very anxious time with presence. God is with them. And God assures his people of this very tangible presence with signs, with a pillar of cloud, with a pillar of fire. And this presence was constant. The pillar of cloud was there by day to lead them along the way. It was there by, the pillar of fire was there by night to give them light and neither the pillar of cloud nor the pillar of fire left its place in front of the people. God was not only with them. God was out in front, guiding them, providing light for their path, and showing them the way. This constant guiding presence is also with us during good times but also during unsettled and turbulent times when we are deeply centered and at peace and when we feel vulnerable and highly anxious. And when we find ourselves on a roundabout way through the wilderness this presence encourages us and guides us and sheds light on our path so that we can find our way believing that God is present and will guide us and provide us with what we need along the way is an act of trust for some of us that kind of trust doesn't come easily and it doesn't come easily because trusting involves it involves letting go it involves relinquishing the need to control the outcome. I've learned something about trust on the backseat of a bicycle. Doug and I tandem together. We like to tandem bicycle together. And I will tell you right now he's always in front because he's the biggest one of us. Anyhow, when I ride my single bike things are different. I steer the bike. I set my own pace. I shift the gears when I want to. And I'm the one who applies the brakes. On the back of a tandem, on the back of our tandem, I do none of that. Doug, who rides in front, is responsible for all those things. And he's big enough that I can't even see what lies directly ahead of us on the road ahead. Now, I want to assure you that I don't just sit back there and do nothing. A lot of people think that people in the backseat of the tandem do nothing. That's a sore point with me. No, we don't sit back there and do nothing. I pedal hard. I stand up to gut us up the hills, and that is really fun. I lean with Doug into the curves, and I hunker down on the downhills to help lessen the wind resistance so we can go faster. But on the backseat of that tandem, there are some things that I have to let go of, principally the ability to control the bike and keep us from crashing. That's a big thing to let go of. Some days, this letting go feels a little scary especially on the downhills that are really, really curvy, although I will say that Doug has proven himself exceedingly trustworthy. Ultimately, I found it to be a very freeing experience just to learn to let go and to trust. And the thing is, every ride on that bicycle is another opportunity for me to keep on learning to practice and you know, perhaps that's the biggest value of the wilderness journey. It's a place where we're not in control, where all the familiar landmarks are gone, where we're not sure where we're going and how we're going to get there, and in this place, in this place we hear a very special invitation to trust and to open ourselves to what that might mean and to practice it daily as we look to God for strength and for guidance and for sustenance along the way. My hope is that we together can learn to see The wilderness journeys that we're on, and especially this wilderness journey that we're on together as a congregation during this time of transition, not only as a time of vulnerability or unsettledness, but also as a wonderful opportunity for growth. Our roundabout journeys through the wilderness provide us with a very unique opportunity to deepen our trust in God, to learn about ourselves and where we're being nudged to grow, and to listen to the dreams that God is dreaming in us. So that when we finally reach the final destination, and there will be a final destination, we will be prepared to embrace the future that God is preparing for us. As we begin this journey of transition together, I think it's wonderful that one of the lectionary texts this morning comes from Philippians 4 that Ruth Ann and Al read for us this morning. These words that we earlier heard from them are from the Apostle Paul. They are written to the faith community in Philippi. And what is really significant for me is that Paul writes these words in the midst of his own wilderness journey. He is in prison, waiting, awaiting a very uncertain future, and ultimately he's put to death. And in the midst of all that, in the midst of that wilderness journey, in the midst of that prison cell, in the midst of all that waiting, he writes this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Those, I think, are pretty amazing and pretty powerful words given where Paul is when he's writing them, given the circumstances where he finds himself. And as I pondered them this week, I began to wonder if uh, we as a congregation might want to consider adopting these verses for the season that we're in. Could we commit ourselves to pray them on an ongoing basis? To meditate on them and to let those words settle deep within us. These words are, after all, an invitation. They're an invitation to trust, to take our burdens and our cares to God, and to open ourselves to the deep peace that God alone can give. I personally welcome that invitation for myself to trust, to open myself to God's peace in the midst of uncertainty. And I look forward to our welcoming that invitation together as a body, as we make our way together in the weeks and in the months ahead. My prayer is that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds as we entrust ourselves and our journey to God. Amen.